Good morning, I'm Reese Tebow from the Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, January 2nd. James is out, so I'm here instead with today's top headlines. Here are three stories that should be on your radar. One, the siege by supporters of an Iranian-backed militia at the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad ended Wednesday after the militia ordered them to withdraw. This brought relief to the diplomats trapped inside and averted a potential showdown between the United States and Iran. My colleagues Mustafa Salim and Liz Sly report that supporters of the Qatab Hezbollah militia, who had spent the night camped outside the embassy, dismantled their tents and marched out of the area. The protesters said they would instead press for the withdrawal of U.S. troops from Iraq in the nation's parliament. As they headed away from the embassy, they chanted, Yay, we burned them, an apparent reference to the fires set by the demonstrators that burned two embassy reception areas on Tuesday. The retreat signaled an end to a crisis in which thousands of angry militia supporters attempted to storm the embassy, a protest against the deaths of 25 militia members in U.S. airstrikes on Sunday. And those strikes were conducted in retaliation for the death of a U.S. contractor in a rocket attack that the U.S. military blamed on Qatab Hezbollah. The Pentagon had dispatched additional troop reinforcements to the region as President Trump blamed Iran for the assault on the embassy, raising fears of an escalating conflict. Perhaps diffusing the situation, though, Trump stepped back from his bellicose rhetoric on Tuesday. Asked if he feared the crisis in Iraq would push the United States into war with Iran, Trump told reporters he hopes not. No, I want to have peace. I like peace, he said. And Iran should want to have peace more than anybody. So I don't see that happening, he said. Later in the day, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said the United States will, quote, continue cooperation with Iraq to hold Iran and its proxies responsible. The Wednesday departure of the demonstrators was probably most welcomed by the diplomats and embassy staffers, who had been holed up in safe rooms for more than 24 hours. One embassy official said he most looked forward to the opportunity to just catch up on some sleep. And another said his first move was to step outside and smoke his first cigarette in more than a day. Two. Angry public health groups on Wednesday predicted President Trump's scaled-back plan to limit flavored e-cigarettes will fall far short of its goal of stopping a surge in youth vaping. They argued that the imminent policy is an election-year capitulation to industry interests. The Post's Lori McGinley and Josh Dossie report that the administration will announce its plan this week. The ban will cover an array of flavored e-cigarette pods, which are closed cartridges that contain vaping liquids and have been embraced by teens. But it will spare e-liquids for the open tank products that are typically sold by vape shops and are more commonly used by adults, according to a senior administration official. The targeted flavors will include fruity and minty cartridges, but not tobacco or menthol ones, a significant retreat from an earlier proposal. The officials said the outcome was a compromise between administration officials pushing a comprehensive ban that was promised by Trump in September and others who were worried about the political fallout stemming from potential job losses in thousands of vape shops across the country. Harold Wimmer, president and chief executive of the American Lung Association, said in a statement Wednesday that the White House plan, quote, will only compromise the health of our nation's children 
and that it is disturbing to see the results of industry lobbying to undermine public health protections. His comments echoed the views of several public health groups. All argue that teens addicted to the nicotine in e-cigs will quickly switch to menthol or tobacco-flavored pods if those are the only ones being sold. We needed major surgery, and instead, what we got is a Band-Aid, said Robin Caval, chief executive and president of Truth Initiative. Just before Trump left to spend Christmas at Mar-a-Lago, he signed off on the new plan. Now, White House staffers would just like to get the issue behind them. While First Lady Melania Trump has expressed concerns about teen vaping, one administration official said, quote, It's not really an issue that the president is deeply plugged in on. And number three. If President Trump's unprecedented decision to retain ownership of his global real estate business has tested the limits of America's ethics, laws, and traditions, a Michael Bloomberg presidency could present a whole new level of overseas entanglements. And China could be the prime example. This according to a new report from The Post's Michael Cranish. Tensions have grown between Washington and Beijing in recent years amid trade disputes, clashes over democracy and human rights, and disagreements over China's effort to expand its influence around the world. Yet Bloomberg, who is spending tens of millions of dollars of his own money to compete for the Democratic presidential nomination, has deepened his entanglements with that key U.S. adversary, forging close financial ties there while showering praise on the Communist Party leaders whose goodwill is required to play a role in that fast-growing market. The billionaire, whose core business sells financial information to investors, has led efforts since 2015 to make it easier for U.S. companies to trade in Chinese currency, a move embraced by China's largest banks. He expanded one of his company's financial indexes, which could steer $150 billion into China while earning his firm an undisclosed amount in fees. All told, mainland China accounts for 1% of Bloomberg LP's revenue and Hong Kong for an additional 4%. Overall, Bloomberg LP's $10 billion in annual revenue far surpasses that of the Trump Organization, which was at least $435 million in 2018, according to Trump's financial disclosure. Trump's ownership of hotels, including one near the White House, has been challenged as a violation of a constitutional provision that forbids a president from taking payments from foreign governments. Bloomberg's business is far broader, interwoven into the financial fabric throughout the world. While Bloomberg has stepped aside from running his privately held company as he runs for president, he has maintained his 88% ownership stake. If elected, a spokesman said, Bloomberg would either put the company in a blind trust or sell it. It is not clear whether putting his business in a blind trust would negate questions about a conflict of interest because Bloomberg would know that the main asset of the trust is his company. If Bloomberg were elected president, he would immediately have to deal with the same Chinese officials he worked with closely as the chief executive of his business. But in his new role, he would be embroiled in the trade war and face questions about how to deal with China's human rights violations and its handling of pro-democracy protesters. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, January 2nd. Thanks for listening. If you want to get more impeachment news, you can now subscribe to a new podcast feed from The Washington Post. All of our audio updates on impeachment in one place, including the latest from The Daily 202, Can He Do That?, and Post Reports, updated whenever news happens. Subscribe at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts.
Again, that's WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts. See you tomorrow. Thank you.